Wretched Radio begins in 3, 2, 1. To convince a child to keep walking, try switching roles with them. Let the child play the role of the parent. They'll immediately do what you want them to do. You are raising in your home people that the Bible is very clear about their status. They need to be converted. Not just a conformity of their behavior. They need a transforming encounter with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the ultimate priority. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. You will never guess what state I was just in. You guessed? Wow, you must be a prophet. This is Wretched Radio. (laughs) It's a gorgeous state. Had the privilege of attending my first Vols football game at Neyland Stadium. And I have to tell you, it was an experience. Needless to say, it is a big whoop-dee-doo. And that goes really for all universities, but especially in the South, y'all. It is a culture here. We do love our college football. I didn't before I got here, but I crossed that Mason-Dixon line, and I got with it lickety-split because there's something really, really good about sports where universities compete in a friendly way. And it got me to thinking, what in this country, besides athletics, bonds us as a people? It's not religion. We know that. It's not politics. That's obvious. It's it's not the defense of the weak, the small, the child in a womb, end of life issues, how we treat people who are confused about their genders. We have so little in common, except athletics is a time we seem to get together. And for the most part, it's rather polite because people do have deep passions about their colors. But when they attend a game, even though at Neyland Stadium on set, sorry, I was just thinking about what happened to the balls on Saturday. It was Pretty. <laughs> but there was a fair amount of red there from Georgia. Nobody fought. Nobody spat on one another. It was an assembly that was peaceful and highly coordinated. Over 100,000 people together. And it, it got me to lament a little bit that there's so little in our country that is like this these days. We don't have unifying events. There's a multitude of reasons for that, but nobody talks about who shot JR anymore because we don't have one TV show that we watch. We don't have one station that we listen to. There isn't a singular podcast that everybody is tuned into. Instead, we are so fractured. And it's sports that seems to bring us together. And I have to confess, I couldn't help but think as I sat there and watched, did I say sat? I mean, stand the most most of the game to watch. It's a spectacle. It really is, not in a pejorative way. It is a spectacle. That marching band, 300 members, amazing. The coordination, the amount of energy and practice that goes into that. The team and the and the stadium and people that are making sure that everything is run in an orderly way and all the people behind the scenes and what's going on in the screen, not to mention what's happening on the field and on the sidelines. And the enthusiasm was off the charts. And I had to ask myself the question, is that good? And the answer is, well, it can be. It can be perfectly fine. It's 
It's okay to go to a football game and cheer for your team. It, you, you can't say that everybody in the stadium has an idolatrous heart because they're cheering. You just can't do that. Now, is it for some, many people have said, that college sports and even professional athletics has become Sunday morning worship where people get together and they worship a football team. Which reminds me of my buddy Josh Williamson when he was at Athens, Georgia, at Stanford Stadium. People pouring into the stadium. He gets up on his soapbox and he begins preaching. Men of Athens, I can see you're a very religious people. And I have no doubt there are some people who attend those games that do use football as their idol, as their religion. But I don't think that that means that we should tarnish the entire affair. I found it to be rather fun and amazing and kind of nice that Americans were getting together for one thing, even with two different teams. Having said that, there's something about it that raises questions. I know football game is a season. It's not every Sunday and not every game is a home game. I get that. It's a special kind of thing because it isn't on the regs. Nevertheless, as the band is just pumping and people screaming Rocky Top at the top of their lungs, celebrating their colors, Knoxville, Tennessee, you wonder how we would coordinate and organize if we knew the date of Jesus' return. Would the church throw the celebration that a university football team throws for their men on the on the iron grid would we have a band practice marching would we if we knew when jesus was going to appear in the sky sing at the top of our lungs that our savior has come back that he's returned and this is a joyous day. Would we worship with the amount of enthusiasm that I witnessed on display at Neyland Stadium on Saturday? And the answer is, I don't know. It raises another question. Is that what it should look like? Should that be the way that we celebrate the return of our Savior? I have to confess to you, I don't know why that would be a bad thing. Could it be more somber if you choose? Sure, I guess that would be an expression. But it seems to me when Jesus touches down in Jerusalem, that, 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 that that's, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it with all due respect to Alabama and Ole Miss and the Bulldogs and the Vols. That's a bigger event than a football game on a Saturday afternoon, by a lot. So I had to ask myself some questions because, well, if I could judge everybody else, and frankly, I think I can, but I can't. So I have to judge myself. Do I have an eager anticipation for the return of my Savior? Furthermore, I need to ask some questions about my own heart. How much... How much enthusiasm would I be willing to publicly display for King Jesus? I don't know if you've been following the news lately, but there are an increasing number of incidences 
when Christians are being shut down? How, how's about the young man who was shot in the face in Arizona on Saturday, I believe, for preaching the gospel on a corner? Got to be praying for that kid and his family, newly married, two young children. That is, that's a tragedy is what that is. And he is, has been, well, I'd, persecuted for the faith. And we're seeing more and more of that. People are willing. People from Georgia drove up to Knoxville displaying their colors proudly. I didn't say sinfully. They're just wearing their colors. Even though they were going into what you would say, and I, even though it's a playful and I think mostly polite kind of way, a hostile environment. There was a lot more orange and white in at Neyland Stadium. But people wore their red, and I thought, would I be willing to be that bold? Am I that courageous about stepping into hostile territory to proclaim something better than we've got a team with a winning season? Or that I really love my colors? It did raise some more questions. Church, how we do worship. Should it look like that? Now, I think there's a wide variety of expressions. But I'm talking about the joyous, enthusiastic, uh, almost raucous sort of excitement that filled a stadium of a hundred and what is it, 105,000 people, 110,000 people. Should there be any element of that in a worship service? And if so, how should it express itself? Should it be that buoyant, we'll say? Should it be more somber? Can there be a mixture of the two? Do we ever have any times when we're genuinely enthusiastic about the fact that our Savior died for us, rose from the grave, and he is returning to judge the world in righteousness, to gather together his bride, to live with him and reign with him forever. Should there be something about our church services that says, yes, we win. I don't need to watch the game. I don't need to follow every thread. We win. I know so because I've read the playbook. And Revelation tells me King Jesus wins big time. Totally. He's already destroyed. That's the word. Destroyed death and the devil. He, he's coming to, if you will, claim his prize. The bride of Christ. And rule on a new earth. I know that's going to happen. He wins. He's brought me, he's brought you onto his team. We win. Just food for thought. Should there be anything about our Sunday gatherings that reflects even a semblance of the enthusiasm that I witnessed on Saturday at Neyland Stadium? This is Wretched Radio. I would say the Tomorrow Clubs is a wonderful ministry. Kids are getting saved like crazy, not just in Eastern Europe, but also in Africa. And it's so efficient. I was just with Paul and Cindy Marty, and I asked, and I said, in, in American currency, how much does it cost to have a kid come to a Tomorrow Club four times a month? So every single week, what, what's the, what does it take to make that happen? Ready? A buck, one dollar. 
That's it. The kid comes, they get treats, they get materials that they learn the Bible, they memorize a buck because it's it's all volunteer driven. All those dear ones, they're volunteers. It's an amazing ministry. And if you have a heart for the lost in Eastern Europe, Africa, and you love supporting ministries that are super efficient and biblically sound, I would point you in the direction of tomorrowclub.org slash wretched, tomorrowclub.org slash wretched, and ask how many children might I be able to support per month? Hey, it's that time of year when your wanted looks at you and says, really, again? <laughs> yep, it is Black Friday, and of course, we have FOMO around here and have gotten in on all of the action at the Wretched Store. I'm talking prices being sliced up to 50% off. Not to mention, when you spend just $50, we'll throw in free shipping, because we love you. But wait, there's more. If you spend $75 or more, we are going to include a bonus Wretched 40-ounce tumbler. Think Stanley, but of the wretched variety. And here's the catch. This tumbler is a limited edition. So exclusive, it's not even for sale. The only way to get your hands on it is by spending $75 during this sale. So head over to the Wretched Store this week for our Black Friday sale happening all week long. Save big, ship free, and sip proudly from your 40-ounce limited edition Wretched Tumbler. While supplies last, and trust me, they won't. If you happen to be staring down the health insurance barrel and you are groaning because you're going to have to figure out what do we do? Can we change? What do we get in November when it's open enrollment month? That barrel can be removed because every day is enrollment day at MediShare. Would you please call them if you're dealing with the health insurance blues? <laughs> please Take two minutes out of your day and give them a call at 844-34-BIBLE. 844-34-BIBLE. If you're not familiar with MediShare, it's affordable biblical health sharing. Average family saves $500 per month. Average. Their ratings, high, teledocs. Please check out MediShare by calling them, finding out how much your family will save. Or you can visit MediShare.com slash wretched, MediShare.com slash wretched, where every day is enrollment day at MediShare. Important dates in Christian history. 863 A.D. Cyril and Methodius, Greek brothers, evangelize the Serbs. Cyril develops the Cyrillic alphabet, which remains the basis for the Slavonic used in the liturgy of the Russian church. Even the alphabet can be a reminder of God's work in the world. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. As long as we're talking about celebrities, hey, we were kind of talking about celebrities. <laughs> this is Wretched Radio. Just had an absolute gas in Tennessee. What a beautiful piece of land that God has created. In fact, had the opportunity to step outside of our domicile for the weekend. The sun was breaking through the clouds over the mountains. And you couldn't help but look at it and go, oh, yeah, that's right. God is. God is a lot bigger than I am. <laughs> and he is painting beautiful pictures all over the earth, running every single detail of every single atom. 
What a gorgeous place Tennessee was. Well, it still is, unless something has changed since Saturday. And what a reminder of how creative and even artistic God is. It was, I saw a painting that was real. We, we, put, we put brush to canvas to try to capture it. When you see it, it should cause you to go, whoa. God is big, he's powerful, and he's preaching constantly. Psalm 19, day after day, he speaks through what? Through creation without saying a word. And the message that I received when I saw that gorgeous sunrise over the mountains breaking through the clouds, God is amazing. Went to the football game at Neyland Stadium. Dolly Parton showed up. That was a big deal. That was a real. It was unbelievably loud. Well, really, the whole game. Okay. Well, up until about five minutes into the third quarter. But it was loud. And when Dolly came out, it was loud. And I don't know if it was shown on national TV, but she got off of her mark. She, she introduced the song. The, or- the band started playing. And it was pretty clear she didn't know where they were. And I got to tell you, I don't blame her. (laughs) I think she's 80-something. Nevertheless, she looks perfectly spry and fit. But the the way the introduction took place for the the Rocky Top song, I, I didn't know when it started. And neither did she. And loud. So if you saw Dolly on Saturday and you thought, uh uh-oh, cut her some slack on that one, because I'm telling you, it was... It was a scene, is what it was. And as long as we're talking about celebrities, how's about Ben Shapiro and Candace Owens? Pretty much it. They're fighting. I'm shocked. (laughs) I don't even care to know the details, quite honestly. (laughs) It's fascinating. One wonders how the Daily Wire will hold together because there's there's just going to be increasing differences of opinions on different issues. I think Ben Shapiro and Candace Owen are fighting over Hamas, Palestine, Israel's behavior, etc. And so they're they're fighting. By the way, speaking of Israel's behavior, hold on, I have got that someplace here. This was from Harvard University. The president apparently came out to say, "Hey, um, what's going on in Israel is a bad thing." Well, that's going to get you in trouble these days with the Palestinian sympathizers. And a hundred Harvard University uh, professors wrote to her saying, basically back off. And I thought it it was a perfect example of duplicity and gaslighting, maybe even simultaneously, where where they will have a set of rules like words are weapons. You talk. You oh, you watch your words. And hey, if you criticize somebody, that's phobic. That's automatically phobic or misogynistic. You say something that you disagree with, and you're a phobe of some sort. Unless, of course, you're a progressive. And then those rules go flying right out the window, and you turn it around in gaslight. Here's the article from Christian Post. A hundred over. 100 Harvard faculty members signed a letter to the Prez declaring that labeling Israel as an apartheid state and accusing the country of committing genocide against Palestinians should not automatically be considered anti-Semitism. 
uh, wow, that is, it is so, it is so on the face, isn't it? It is so obvious. The inconsistency in the application of progressivism. As Harvard faculty, we've been astonished by the pressure from donors. Get ready. Here's more gaslighting. From donors, alumni, and even some of this campus to silence faculty. <laughs> nobody silenced you. Nobody, nobody kidnapped you and tied you to a chair and put a handkerchief in your mouth. Nobody. But that's what they do all day, every day. They shut you down. You can't tweet it. You can't post it on the YouTube machine. They will censor you in a heartbeat. But if you criticize their position, then guess what you're doing? The very thing that they do for a living. And some staff critical of the actions of the state of Israel. It's important to acknowledge the patronizing tone and format of much of the criticism you have received, as well as the outright racism contained in some of it. Wow. So the people who criticize the Palestinian sympathizers are racist. But you can't criticize us because that is downright mean. Shocking. The faculty members wrote the letter in response to the Grand Poobah's directive titled Combating Anti-Semitism, which announced the plan to implement a program intended to educate Harvard students and staff about anti-Semitism. Hey! That should be a good thing, right, my progressive? Don't you have courses? You have entire studies on how to be sensitive about particular people groups. And this president says, let's also learn about anti-Semitism. Hater! Toxic! You're squashing free speech! Okay. The president confirmed or condemned the phrase, from the river to the sea. Noting the phrase calls for the eradication of Jews in Israel and is harmful to the Jewish uh, community. Now, here's what the progressive Palestinian professor said. It's not anti-Semitic to criticize, even though they said basically Israel is like Robert Mugabe's government in Zimbabwe. Nor can arguments that characterize Israel as an apartheid state or its actions of genocide and ethnic cleansing be considered automatically anti-Semitic. The letter asserts the phrase, from the river to the sea, Palestine must be free. It's a matter of debate. Stating the history behind the slogan, it's complicated. What happened to watching our words, to words our weapons, and what about hurting somebody's feelings? Well, those rules apply to us but not for you. Its interpretation deserves and is receiving sustained and ongoing inquiry and debate. Therefore, we're going to keep using it, even though a bunch of people are complaining about how terrible of a saying it is. We read the Bible in public, and the guy in Glendale gets shot in the face. There are street preachers who go out I just saw another one. Kid did a really rather brilliant job, to use an English word, in responding to the police. Some people complained. They went to the police, went to shut him down. And he said, may I ask you a question? Is the Bible a banned book in England? No. Is it illegal to read this book? No. Is it against the law to read this book out loud in public? No. Then why are you stopping me? 
That's all I'm doing is reading this book. Well, a couple of people complained. And he said, fair enough. If that's the, if that's the policy, um, those people that complained were also yelling at me. So I want you to go investigate them and shut them down. Why don't you go ahead and do that? I'll wait for you right here. Well done, sir. We get shut down. We get stifled. We get told that we're toxic. Our words, our weapons, our words are murderous. They, they cause so much angst for people. And yet, when progressive Palestinian sympathizers want to chant a slogan that is clearly intended to eradicate an entire nation of people, well, that's complicated. So Ben Shapiro, Candace Owen, they're arguing. How long will that organization stay together? The answer is, don't know. In other celebrity news, don't know if you're familiar with Ayan Hirsi Ali. She happens to be a former Muslim. She became an atheist. Now she's written an article titled, Why I Am Now a Christian. I, I hope she is. I truly do hope that she is. But this is a woman who recognized, oh, wait a second, even though politicians are telling me that the actions of Hamas or Al-Qaeda, they're motivated by a number of factors when in reality, they claim it's motivated by their holy book and their religion. It caused her to conclude, I can't be a part of it. So she became an atheist. Now she's claiming she's a Christian. I hope that she is. Do we judge? Don't need to. Not my job. Time will tell. But it does raise a question about one's testimony, which we will tackle next on Wretched Radio. And it's now time for a Wretched News Break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. First up, the Ugandan government has deferred signing a nearly $100 million agreement with the EU over concerns about progressive gender ideology being pushed on children. Yeah, I can't say that I blame them on that. The deal included provisions to teach things like sexual pleasure to young children. Not exactly your standard educational fare. I know a few Western leaders that could probably learn a thing or two. Protect the kids first. Worry about the LGBT stuff. A little bit later on. Meanwhile, in Toronto, the city's been handing out free crack pipe kits. That's right, complete with handy carrying cases. All to aid drug users. What a caring government they have in Canada. Who doesn't want your crack pipe all in one handy-dandy convenient kit that you can carry? And the kits come with thousands of dollars worth of branded stickers and Ziploc bags because you don't want to keep your crack pipe in any kind of nasty plastic bag. No, they have to be Ziploc bags, keep them airtight and free from moisture. And the bureaucrats were also thoughtful enough to include lip balm to help soothe crack-smoking lips. Such a considerate public service. And shifting our focus to education, that's actually a true story. A New Jersey teachers union has called for an end to basic skills tests for educators. That's right. No longer do they want teachers to prove that they're actually qualified and competent enough to teach. What could go wrong with that? After all, don't we want our kids learning from teachers who spent such a hard time in college you know, passing courses like underwater basket weaving and the history of puppetry. There's no need for us to waste our time verifying boring qualifications. There's political agendas at stake. 
Those kids are going to be just fine. And finally, a Christian in Pakistan was senselessly shot dead recently for unknown reasons. And of course, as we talk about this pretty consistently, persecution against minorities continues in this unstable region. Extremism and violence against mainly Christians. And though the persecution continues on an increased trajectory, we can take comfort knowing Christ has already won the ultimate victory. Let us continue to pray for all of our persecuted brothers and sisters abroad. And that's been today's Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Lexicon. Providence is the word we use to describe God's preserving, upholding, and governing of His creation. God sustains His creation day to day through ordinary means established at the beginning of time, and He intervenes in miraculous ways. In all things, God is working for His glory and for the good of those who love Him. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Did I mention I was just in the beautiful state of Tennessee? This is Wretched Radio. Jimmy, you're from Tennessee. I am. I am from Tennessee. Good old, good old Rocky Top. (laughs) Oh my goodness, don't make me. Come on. Let's see if you're from Tennessee. (laughs) Rocky Top. Nope, you're not. That's it. You forgot the whoop. Whoop. Okay, I'm sorry. You got to do the whoop in there or you ain't singing it right. (sighs) I learned a lot while I was in Tennessee is what I did. And I was also walking the lovely campus in Knoxville. It's, it's, I got to, I got to give them props. I don't know who's running the place in Knoxville. But they decided we're going to have a singular aesthetic. We are going to have a consistent worldview expressed. Architecture speaks. And so often you go to university campuses and it's like, well, that building doesn't look like that one, which doesn't match that one. Why did they make it like that? Well, a lot of times it has to do with funding, but it also has to do with worldview. And they decided in Canoxville, we are just going to have a classic architectural aesthetic. I, I don't know what style it is, but the, whether it's the Doric columns, whatever, but the pillars and the brick and the design around the windows, they have done an amazing job of keeping that place consistent. Walked the campus, which, by the way, if you're ever playing Trivial Pursuit and the question is, which university students in America have the largest calf muscles, you'll know that it's the volunteers at the University of Tennessee. Wow, that is a hilly campus. I'm telling you, up and down you go. We watch the Vols walk, where the football players come through, the band comes through, the cheerleaders come through before you go into the stadium. And I ran into a young man who was passing out gospel literature. I got to tell you, I I just really thought he did an outstanding job. I actually cross the street. Whenever I see somebody passing something out, I'm like, I'm in because you're here to express your worldview. Then I'll express mine. Well, it turns out that he was a Christian from a church and he passed out a piece of gospel literature, but he held on to it. That rascally dude, he's been out there before doing this. I said, hey, could I have one of those? He gives it to me and holds on to it. And then he explains, this is about the only way that you can be saved. You see. We have a sin problem, and Jesus died so that sinners can be forgiven, and that's the only path, the only way that you can have access to God. It's like, dude, 
Rock on! Read the pamphlet? Overall good. Here's, here's a tip for you when it comes to pamphlets. When you write a pamphlet or a track or you're giving your testimony or you're sharing the gospel, assume the reader, the hearer knows nothing. That they have zero clue about anything Christian, which is increasingly the way it is in the U.S. of A. People, they don't know anything about it. They, 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 they know so little. You can't assume. For instance, if you just say to somebody that you're a sinner and you're going to hell, it seems unreasonable without injecting the character and the nature of God. And I think that we need to include some of those details. And we're, it's probably going to take a little more time to explain the gospel. But until we help them understand that it's judicial, that God will judge every single sin that's ever been committed, it'll be paid for by Jesus, or that person will pay for it for eternity, a debt that, that will never be dismissed because God is good and God is rich in mercy. God loves justice. Therefore, he must do those things. And that means you're in danger. But you need to know more about God. He's good. And he desires to save sinners. But sin has to be paid for, or he would be unjust and unloving. Therefore, he sent his son to be born of a virgin, live under the law, to redeem those of us under the curse of the law. Make sure you include all of the details. By the way, before we get to Ayan Hirsi Ali, who is now claiming to be a Christian, on Sunday. Beautiful, beautiful. The, the, the map quest kept us off of Highway 40 and Highway 75, which was such a blessing. The semis on 75 makes it for a nightmare strip of road. Took us through the back, through the back towns and came to, came to, we're on the main, the, we're on like the main thoroughfare, which is not, not all that big through these country towns in the mountains of Tennessee. And, and there was a T. And so the, the traffic was coming toward us and they had to turn left or right to get on the road that we were on. And at the intersection, there was a guy, if, if you wanted to draw a mountain caricature of somebody from Tennessee, that dude was it. Holding a sign that said, Jesus saves. It's about 50 degrees outside. Jesus saves. And I couldn't help but think he's going to be one of those guys that, what did he do to earn all of those crowns? Who is that guy? Was he on YouTube? Did he have a mega church? And did he somehow pass a piece of legislation that was good for freedom of religion? Nope. He stood on a corner holding up a sign that said, Jesus saves. Well done. Sir, Ian Hersey Ali, if you're not familiar with her, she's a fellow at Stanford University's Hoover Institution, founder of the AHA, AHA Foundation. She hosts a podcast, of course. She has a new book. It is called Pray, P-R-E-Y, Immigration, Islam, and the Erosion of Women's Rights. She tells her story because she is now claiming to be a Christian. I hope she is. But we're going to read her words to remind us that we need, when we share why we are a Christian, to include 
really important details. And as we do that, we're going to learn some stuff along the way. In 2002, she listened to a lecture by Bertrand Russell from 1927, Why I'm Not a Christian. And now she's writing an article saying why I am now a Christian. Fascinating. Back in 2001, she publicly condemned the terrorist attacks. They'd done it in my religion. I was a Muslim. If I truly condemn their actions, then I got to get out of this thing. And that's what she did. She got out of Islam. Now, she went back into it deep. She's from Africa with the Muslim Brotherhood. Nevertheless, at the time, there were many eminent leaders in the West, politicians, scholars, journalists, who insisted that the terrorists were motivated by reasons other than the ones that they and their leader, Osama bin Laden, had articulated so clearly. So Islam had an alibi. And the narrative in the West was, well, there, there are some foreign policy things that America has done that weren't so good, so maybe we can't blame them. And therefore, she said, Islam had an alibi. Now, when I read Russell's lecture, I found my dis cognitive dissonance easing. Ah, oh, I can be a skeptic. I can discard my faith in God. So she did that very thing. So what changed? Why do I call myself a Christian now? So this would be her testimony. Listen for the gospel. She writes, this is why I am now a Christian. There are three major threats on the globe right now. You've got yourself China and Russia. And so big, powerful, bad nations. You've got Islamism and you've got woke ideology. How do we fight off these formidable forces? The only credible answer, I believe, lies in our desire to uphold the legacy of the Judeo-Christian tradition. The legacy consists of an elaborate set of ideas and institutions designed to safeguard human life, freedom, and dignity. It is true. Does this explain why somebody is a Christian? And again, I, I, I don't know where she's at. She writes this. I have come to realize that Bertrand Russell and my atheist friends failed to see the wood for the trees. The wood is the civilization built on the Judeo-Christian tradition. It is the story of the West, warts and all. To me, freedom of conscience and speech, the greatest gift, greatest benefit of Western civilization. It's the product of centuries of debate within Jewish and Christian communities. Are you hearing the gospel? became increasingly clear teachings implied not only a circumscribed rule for religion as something separate from politics, it also implied compassion for the sinner and humility for the believer. Okay, there we heard, I think, the closest thing that comes to explaining the gospel, compassion for a sinner. But does it talk about God's character and nature and punishing sinners, what the consequence of sin is, sending forth his son, Jesus Christ, the God-man? to live a perfect life of righteousness, to die in our stead. She writes, I've also turned to Christianity because I ultimately found life without any spiritual solace unendurable. Indeed, very nearly self-destructive. Atheism failed to answer a simple question. What's the meaning and purpose of life? So unless we have something meaningful, life is kind of a bummer. So I'm going with Christianity. That is why I no longer consider myself a Muslim apostate, but a lapsed atheist. She claims she's got a lot to learn, but she's going to church. Not judging the state of her soul, but we can judge a testimony. 
and recognize when we share our testimony, remember the audience knows nothing. And the gospel isn't about geopolitics, it's about Christ. This is Wretched Radio. I believe in a culture of life. One of the most impactful moments of my life was when I heard the heartbeat of my oldest daughter uh, in my wife's womb and then saw the sonograms of all three of my kids. The sonogram or the, the pictures that are taken of babies, still a profoundly helpful tool, which encourages me to encourage you to consider supporting Preborn Ministries. Preborn Ministries and their network clinics, they are giving away free ultrasounds to women, but they do cost something. It's $28 an ultrasound. And just as you heard Governor DeSantis say, his view of life was profoundly changed when he saw the baby baby in the womb when you see the form and the shape and the fingers and the heartbeat would you please consider supporting preborn it's a great ministry of life it has a high anthropology shares the gospel with women and with the dads preborn.org/wretched preborn.org/wretched hey thanks for listening to wretched radio today where we're on a mission to reach millions of people all over the world with the gospel of our lord jesus christ and we're so grateful and thankful for all of our gospel partners who have supported us in the past, but we need your help to continue our mission. I think it was last week, maybe it was the week before, but I opened my email and Kurt and Jessica, faithful wretched supporters, had written in and shared a testimony with us where they said in part, quote, we have always loved listening to your program, but in a tough time, we're even more grateful for the knowledge you've instilled. And that's it, y'all. That's why we exist at Wretched. Everything we produce here at Wretched is made with a high view of scripture and a high view of good stewardship. So let me just take a second. I want to thank you for your previous generosity. And I also want to ask for your continued prayerful and financial support. You can find out more about becoming an ongoing monthly Wretched Gospel Partner at Wretched.org slash donate. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. So you are aren't convinced of the importance of training godly men to rightly divide the word of truth in churches internationally? Well then, we'll let Paul Washer convince you. You have to support men who are elder qualified proclaimers of the word. When we support a man coming out of TMAI, we know not only that he is properly trained, but we know that he will still be supervised. Would you please join TMAI, the Master's Academy International, in advancing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ through expository preaching in local churches around the globe. It's a magnificent ministry and it's so important. Please consider partnering with TMAI at wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor. Thank you for supporting indigenous pastors around the world. Attributes of God. Psalm 139 tells us that God is omnipresent. If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. God is not only outside and above his creation, he is present in every place, seeing what is happening. This is a comfort for those who love him, but a terror to those who hate him. 
This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Dolly wasn't the only one singing this weekend. Gospel singer serenades passengers on a flight. This is Wretched Radio, a small M maverick singer of the capital M maverick worship band, Think Hillsong, Think Bethel, was on an aerial plane nominated for two Grammys. Couldn't contain it. She had to bust out in song, but that's when the hijinks ensued because the flight attendant, the one in authority, said, you got to shut it down. Her contention, I can't. The Lord told me to sing on this airplane. But the flight attendant isn't having it. Are you willing and able to be quiet right now? I'm doing what the Lord is telling me to do. Is that what's going on? I'm doing what the Lord is telling me to do in direct contradiction of what the one in authority is telling her to do. This is yet another example of an individual who gets a feeling, has a sense, and ascribes that emotion, that feeling to God speaking to her. The drama unfolded on a Delta flight getting ready for takeoff. There was a delay due to a maintenance issue, so the singer says she felt inspired to break out in song. Are you able to be quiet? But they're enjoying it, so while we're sitting here, could I please? I'm not enjoying it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm asking you, can you be quiet? Am I going to go to jail if I don't? She responded. And on and on it went, where she continued to fight with the one in authority because she was claiming God told her to do this. Grammy nomination or not, the flight attendant believes she's a disruption. I'm your flight leader. I need you to follow my instruction. Okay. My instructions for you to answer my question. Are you able to be quiet? What do you guys think? Uh, Notably, none of the passengers respond. If you're not able to, be to follow my instruction, yeah. you will not be taking this flight. Uh, But she went on to sing anyway. <laughs> Jimmy, you're a big fan of the Maverick worship team. <laughs> I've never heard of them. You're kidding. They're uh, huge. Are they really? Oh, yeah. And a lot of them wear black leather jackets. Did you see? <laughs> there was it was a woman. She does podcasting, I think, and YouTubing was talking about the trend in these prosperity preachers wearing black leather jackets. Think Jimmy Dean style black leather jacket. And there was a picture of like eight of them. And they're all wearing the black leather jacket. Coincidence? <laughs> also received an email from an individual who's got a brand new book out so that you can hear God's voice. Would like to punish you. Um, would like to share with you the details of the email that I received so that we can at least be aware when we run into somebody, whether we're on a Delta flight with a Maverick singer or not. That's small m, maverick, singer or not, we'll be able to interact to discuss, is God still speaking to us through senses, through hunches, through, uh, this was a term that was used, liver shivers. Now, this is from the author. Hearing God's voice can feel complicated. Does that sound in keeping with God's character and nature? Hearing God is tricky. It's not easy. You might really biff it if you don't know the contents of my book. That doesn't sound like God, who is not the author of complication. Quote, 
Does he speak all the time or just on special occasions? What happens if we get it wrong? That's a good question, ma'am. What if you do get it wrong? Well, in the Old Testament, if you said, I'm speaking for God or thus saith the Lord and he didn't, uh, they were stoned for that. He takes it very seriously. If we don't hear him, she asks, is it because we haven't fasted and prayed enough? Uh, There's a reason that she's tackling those questions. It's because those are the ones that people are asking who are told, listen for God, listen for the still small voice. Now, it ain't easy. You're going to have to figure out when it really is God or it's just your brain or it's a demon. Now, got to tell you, I'd like a more sure word. Oh, yeah, we have one. It is the Bible. We have a transcript of God's thoughts that he wants us to know for the sufficiency of life and godliness. And isn't it fascinating that that we have it in the format of a written word so that we can know, hey, this is indeed what God said through these people. This is what he wants us to know. And it hasn't changed. It was a really good choice. Back to the Hearing God author, we all know what it's like to have pressing questions for God, but we don't always know what it's like to get an answer. Pick me! Pick me! Read your Bible! Get godly counsel! Ask God for wisdom, not a voice, wisdom! And then read his manual! We all need intimate connection with God. We all need to feel seen known, and loved by him. There are nagging aches inside of us that can only be relieved by divine connection. So she wants you to believe that you're having a divine connection with God because you're, he's actually talking to you exclusively inside of your brain. I've got better news for anyone who is looking for that divine connection. You have one in the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. You already have one. You have an anointing. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. There's your divine connection, God dwelling in you. And you don't, you don't need a mystical experience. You say, well, I should feel something. I say, I won't argue with that. But the method for feeling loved by God, known by God, it is a cognitive process. Not through senses or nudges that are so uncertain and are so often misinterpreted that lead to some very bad ends. You've got a Bible. Read it. Fill your brain with it. And then I'm telling you, this is what you got to do. I'm just telling you, you, if you want your heart stirred, you must take your time to dwell on things that are pure, lovely, and worthy of praise. You can't just skate over the top of your Bible. You got to stop and think about what it is telling you. What does this say about God? Do think about these things. And then you will have feelings. Now, what kind of feelings? Everybody's different. They can be high. They can be low. You can get them at church. It could be a theologically stirring piece of music, but it all comes through your eyes or your ears through the mechanism of your physical brain to your mind, which are two different things. Your soul, the inner you, it it communicates 
to and from the world, the physical world, through your brain. So if you desire what this woman is probably rightly identifying, you you can have that connection. But it's not mystical. It's cognitive. She writes, And when you pre-order ahead of time, you'll get access to five bonuses, including the Created to Hear God study guide with prompts. You can discover the unique way he speaks to you. Whoa. So not only is God speaking to everybody, he does it uniquely for everybody? If it's unique, how does she know? (laughs) Well, you see, Jimmy, that's why you need to order now. Okay. The guide includes 80 thought-provoking questions you can use as journal or discussion prompts to help you apply what you've learned to your own life. It's a practical and special guide. Available now if you click here. Discover the truth about your identity as a child of God. I don't need mysticism. I have a more sure word. Your identity as a child of God, you are called as a saint. It says so right there. I I don't need to sense or hunch or somehow just get a tingly. I, I, I got it right there. I know who I am in Christ. That's my identity. Overcome common obstacles that stand in the way such as past pain, false beliefs, overthinking, and doubt. This sounds like cataphatic prayer to me. Get inside, you go through your life, you'll remember what things that happened to you, whether they happened to you or not, and you'll learn how to get past them. Develop a deeper connection with God and learn to recognize His voice in your daily life. Develop a deeper connection with God. All right, we'll work with her lingo. It's, it's in the Bible. You want to know more about God? He revealed himself. You, you want to understand his will? He's revealed it to you on the pages of the Bible. You can also gain practical tools for discerning God's will and purpose for your life. Don't need it. I've got a Bible. And if it is sufficient, and it is, then this is superfluous. This is a, this is a condemnation of the sufficiency of the Bible. When somebody says, I need that extra revelation, then you're saying the Bible is not enough. Doesn't have to be complicated. He wants to communicate with you. Jimmy, if you'll just let him, he's going to talk uniquely to you. Mm. Yeah, let me, let me know what he says. <laughs> and then, then we'll get you into some biblical counseling. You have everything that you need, thankfully, in a more sure word. <sighs> and if you don't believe that, then you're going to make it on Inside Edition. And until tomorrow, go serve your king.